The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 5, the story of Peter and John and going into the temple and healing a man and then all of a sudden they, they get arrested. So we pick up our story in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with anger, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. (laughs) So look at this. So here's Peter and John. They're at the temple. There's all these religious people there at the temple to praise God and to worship God, and they're Jewish. Peter and John see a lame man at the eastern gate who since his birth has not been able to walk, and he's saying, alms, alms, alms for the poor. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, I command you to rise up and walk. And he reached out, grabbed the man by the hand, and instantly the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit came into the man's body. His bones and his ligaments, everything started popping into place as Peter lifted him up. And he was healed instantaneously. He began to walk and to leap and to praise God. Then Peter preaches, because there's a huge crowd that gathers, and 2,000 more Jewish believers now say that we believe Jesus is risen, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is the Messiah. So now they, they arrest Peter and John. So here's what I want you to follow in your notes. The high priest and the associates, these are the same high priest and associates who had gathered just a few weeks earlier and arrested Jesus, and charged him with crimes, and then had him executed and crucified. And so now they're persecuting his followers, the apostles. In fact, we believe not only Peter and John were arrested, but all of the apostles were arrested and put into jail. So I want to say the high priest and associates had three reasons for persecuting the apostles. Why, why did they go so crazy? A, heal, a man gets healed. Why are they losing their minds? Seems like that's a good thing. But they are losing their minds. And here are the three reasons for persecuting the apostles. Number one, signs and miracles. I want you to note, religion and the world do not understand signs and wonders. As the New Testament says, for while they were religious and they were Jewish and they believed in God and they even believed in the Messiah who was coming, when God actually sent the Messiah doing signs and wonders and supernatural things, they were afraid. And they said, no, this is not the guy who was supposed to come. And they ended up crucifying the very one that God had sent from heaven. So the New Testament tells us that there are religious people who go to synagogue or go to church who have a form of godliness but deny the power. 
The whole pur purpose of Jesus resurrecting from the dead, that's supernatural. That gives us the hope that we're not just going to die. We don't just believe in morals and good values and good deeds. We believe in eternal, everlasting, spiritual, supernatural life that never ends. Amen? So to prove that Jesus is risen from the dead... He, from heaven, sends the Holy Spirit to continue the signs and wonders he did for three and a half years. But now, because he's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father, he does the same miracles through his believers and through the apostles to confirm that he is truly risen from the dead. But the world does not experience nor understand signs and wonders. And what the world does not understand... And what it cannot experience, it rejects, it mocks, it abuses, and it persecutes. So that's number, reason number one. Number two, their witness was refuting. So the apostles' witness by you know, helping this healed man, this lame man be healed and walking among them. Their witness was refuting the doctrine of the Sadducees, proving that Jesus was resurrected and alive. So we're talking about the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of two groups. Sadducees, everybody say Sadducees. And then Pharisees, say Pharisees. Sadducees did not, they believed in morals. They believed in, in values. They believed in the commandments of God. They believed in uh, right and wrong. They did not believe in spirits. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in life after death. They did not believe in anything supernatural. In fact, that's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> it's a good way to remember. But the Pharisees, they not only accepted the law and the values, but they did believe in the resurrection, and they did believe in angels, and they did believe in the supernatural. So these two groups were battling back and forth, and, and in, they were together called the Sanhedrin. By the resurrection, there were many of the apostles who would appeal to the Pharisees. And in fact, some of the Pharisees that became believers and followers. But then number three, the religious leaders, and here's very powerful, were filled with envy at the great success of these untrained, unauthorized men. When God begins to do something marvelous, something powerful, something supernatural... Then the other, you know, organized religion, because they're not experiencing that, and because all of those signs and wonders draws a crowd, people, I mean, if there is a God, the supernatural confirms, wow, there really is a spiritual realm. There really is a God in heaven. There really is eternal life. There really are angels. Wow, that's amazing. The supernatural reveals the unseen realm, and it's very powerful. But religion gets threatened by that because the crowds stop listening to them because they have all the values and all the teachings, but they don't have any power. They don't have any confirmation or any signs. And they get jealous. They get envious of the great success. And plus, they had degrees. They were <laughs> learned men. They'd been to Sanhedrin Seminary. <laughs> and these guys were fishermen. They, you know, translation... Knuckleheads. I mean, they were just common, ordinary men. Why would they have all these signs and wonders? They must be doing something wrong. 
So that's what was happening right there. Now look with me in verses 19 and 20, because God does something supernatural again. <laughs> How many of you are excited that we serve a supernatural God? And that he right now wants to get the attention of the whole world for a revival for such a time as this. Well, look at me with me in verses 19 and 20. They laid hands on the apostles, put them in the common prison. Verse 19. I love this. Oh, I love this. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I love that. Now, let me tell you what I think happened. Because when God sends angels, often in the Bible, it's not like they show up with bright lights and wings and, you know, little puffy clouds and all that kind of stuff. Many of the times in the Bible, when angels would appear, even to the patriarchs, they didn't know they were angels. God kind of hid that. They looked like men. There were no wings, no bright lights, no weird music. <laughs> they appeared as men, and it was only after the men said things and then were gone and something supernatural happened. They went, ah, that was not just a man. That was an angel. Do you know that the Bible tells us that he will do the same thing with you and I? In fact, in Hebrews, it says, beware when you entertain strangers Sometimes God may bring a human being. In fact, I believe there are many of you that have had angels who you thought were people that something weird happened or they said something or brought something or did something or sent you in a different direction. And, and you've often wondered, I wonder if that was an angel. I bet when we get to heaven, you'll find out it was. And I didn't know it. That's often the way that God works. I think somebody just came and they thought, well, he's probably some prison guard or whatever. He walks over, grabs the keys, puts it into the thing, opens the thing and says like this and he's gone. And they walk out. And I love that. And then this man who turned out to be an angel said, what does he tell them? Normally when you're you know, captive and you're in prison and you've been beat up and you've been threatened, when you're set free, you run away. But he tells them, go right back where you got arrested on the Temple Mount. Start speaking right now the same message about Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. Our God is an awesome God. So the Lord can deliver us through the ministry of an angel. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. A scripture, let's read this out loud together. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that in these very, very difficult, trial-filled, tribulation days of a virus and chaos and political turmoil, you would send a multitude of angels into our lives to help us, deliver us, get us going in the right direction, and be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen? You receive that? So God may deliver us by an angel, but I also want to say God can also deliver us by giving us a supernatural manifestation of his divine presence within us. He can overwhelm us with his love or with the joy of the Lord or with a divine shalom. All of a sudden, there you are in prison, you're in some situation and you just have this deep divine peace that everything is okay. 
And God delivers you, not by opening the prison door and getting you out, but you stay in, but because the presence of God is there with you and nothing can rob you of the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen? But there are other times that God delivers believers to himself. When God says, son, daughter, you have finished your course. You have finished the race. I'm literally taking you all the way home. There have been a number of our brothers and sisters who were with us back when this whole COVID thing started back in March and April. We're now gone. They're in heaven. But they have been delivered by the Lord from this world, from all the angst that is here. And they have, they're now seeing and beholding the face of Jesus for which we are all jealous and wish we could be with them. Amen. So God delivers in a variety of different ways. But then look with me, verse 19 and 20 again. He says, but at night the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now look at verses 21 through 25. Persecution ignites a burning fire that is unstoppable. Look with me in verse 21. It says, when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. And I, I love this. So they don't know there's been an angel that let them out, right? But when the officers came, and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what outcome this would be. So one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people again. They went right back. Isn't that where we arrested them? We beat them up. We threw them in jail. The next morning, the guards go and they go, there's nobody here. Then they hear a commotion back on the temple. What's going on? Oh, there's some guys preaching. Who is it? It's the guys we threw in jail. They got released by the angel. Hallelujah. Is that awesome? God delivered them. And they didn't run away. They ran right back to where they got arrested, where they got beat up, where they got threatened, where they got persecuted, and they went right back there. So here's what I want to say to you guys, my brothers and sisters here tonight. I think we can all feel the temperature of the times. Uh, it's like, it's, like the, it's beginning, the persecution is coming more and more to the believers. Would you agree with me? So we've got to choose, are we going to run away and hide, or are we going to draw the line, as it were, in the sand and say, you know what? I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop trusting. And in fact, I'm going to affirm right here, right now, come what may, Jesus is Lord. I will bend my knee, confess him as my Savior, and speak openly and boldly and unashamedly that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? I love this. What a contrast between the apostles 
and this Sanhedrin council. The council were educated, they were trained, they were approved, and yet they had no ministry of power. They had no presence of the Holy Spirit. There was no conviction, and there were no crowds. And in fact, the people themselves were following after these fishermen and untrained men as they proclaimed the risen Jesus as Messiah. So look with me in verses 26 through 32. Jesus, now Peter is going to speak to the Sanhedrin. Peter preaches to them, Jesus is exalted. He is not only alive, but I'll tell you where he is, Sanhedrin. He is at the right hand of God as prince and savior. Look with me, beginning verse 26. It says, and then the captain went with the officers and brought them without, with, without violence. Now, remember the first time they went and got these guys, they roughed them up, they beat them up a little bit. Well, now that they've supernaturally been released by an angel, they, they're, they're afraid of these guys. They're like, you know, there's something weird about these guys. Let's not beat them up. Let's, let's treat them nice. They were afraid. For they, and they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. The people were like, wow, the apostles. What Jesus did, now they're able to do, was awesome. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. <laughs> Woo! I love that. Do you notice that when they talked about him, you keep preaching in this man's name and talking about this man. Notice that they don't use his name. The world, look, you can talk about anything you want with your friends and neighbors and co-workers, but you bring up the name Jesus. Woo! Now you're going to find out what the room temperature really is all about. Amen? So I encourage you, if you want to see supernatural, you want to see demons exposed and delivered and moved out, just bring Jesus into the home. Bring Jesus into the conversation. Bring Jesus. Just say Jesus. Jesus. And everything will change. Amen? Amen? But Peter and the other Apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up who? Jesus. Man, Peter can't say Jesus fast enough. Is in his mouth. Yeshua. Everybody say Yeshua. Yeshua. Whom you murdered. Whoa. You know, maybe we would have said, you know, Peter, go a little easy on these guys. Let's win some favor with them. Maybe they'll think favorably more about this new church thing. Peter's like, no, you murdered Jesus, Yeshua, who is actually the Messiah, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God, is exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Wow. Prince and Savior. Everybody say Prince, prince. And, savior. and Savior. He is Prince and Savior. Now, this is something very important. Jesus is at God's 
right hand, the Father's right hand. It is a key theme of Scripture. The right hand is a place of honor, power, and authority. And God the Father says, I'm leaving judgment of the whole universe and all humanity to my Son who is at my right hand. Now, this is found in Psalm 110, verse 1. The Old Testament, which says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, I want to tell you about this word prince just a moment. The word prince means a pioneer, one who leads the way or an originator, somebody who begins something brand new. And I want to say that the Sanhedrin did not want to pioneer anything, (laughs) Because what they wanted was to keep the old status quo, the way religion has always been done, the way the synagogue has always been handled. We don't want anything new. But Jesus is a pioneer. He does something new, and he said, I have come because what you have settled into, you have settled into the old, and it's become dry. And though I've given you my word, and the Father wrote down the word, it's written on stony hearts, and it hasn't transformed you. So I'm going to give you new wine, the new Holy Spirit. And, you know, you have to pour new wine into a new wine skin. So we need to listen to the pioneer of Jesus Christ. He wants to do a new thing in your life and in mine. The Christian life is not a parking lot. (laughs) It's not just, well, I got saved and I'm saved and now that's it. When you get saved and when you get born again, thank God, you now have the gift of eternal life. But we are to grow from being babies and grow into full maturity. God has eternal things to reveal to us. He has eternal gifts to give to us. He wants us to grow to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Grow up. There's more for you and for me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus is called the pioneer or the author of our faith, which suggests that he leads us into new experiences that will challenge our faith, stretch our faith, cause our faith to grow and to grow up and to mature, that he has many, many more wonderful things, new wine to pour into us. How many of you would say, yes, Pastor Ray, I'm ready for any new wine the Lord wants to pour on me and follow the pioneer of our faith? One of the major themes of the book of Hebrews is let us press on to maturity. And we cannot mature until we follow Christ wholly, the pioneer, into new areas of faith and growth and ministry. So he is the pioneer, the prince, but he is also the savior. And you know what the Hebrew word for savior is? Yeshua. Say Yeshua. Yeshua means Savior. He is the Prince, and He is the Savior. All right, well, let's close out verses 33 through verse 42. Rejoice if you are counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. So, this kind of an interesting little story here at the end. It says, And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Nice response. You know, I mean, that's religion. Not only did they not like the supernatural, 
When they lose power and when they lose control, then they get murderous. They're not only envious, but now they're murderous. What do they did to Jesus? They want to do now to the apostles. So then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people. And he commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. So it was a great commotion. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. And then he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered, and they came to nothing. And after this, there was another guy named Judas of Galilee. He rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away many people after him. He had quite a following. And he also perished, he died, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is just of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest even you be found to fight against God Almighty himself. And when they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles, and they beat him, <laughs> they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and then let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. That this is the apostles' response. Rejoicing they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching what? Jesus as the Messiah. Rejoice if you are counted worthy. And I want to close by just saying this. There is a early Christian tradition in our history so from the early church that said, and they actually wrote it down in some of the early church historical writings, it's not in the Bible, but it's early believers, like the first several centuries, and they said that Gamaliel, behind the scenes, became a believer that Jesus was in fact the Messiah and was a brother in the Lord. And that Nicodemus, who's mentioned in the Gospel of John chapter three, who was a Pharisee, also became a believer and that both Gamaliel and Nicodemus got baptized and were literally part of the earliest messianic community of Jewish believers. So I can't say that that's in the Bible, but it's in our early church history and tradition. And we do see that God used Gamaliel at this time to say, look, if it's just men, it'll fizzle out, it'll fade out. But if it's of God, not only is it not going to stop, you'll be fighting against God Almighty himself. Great wisdom. When God begins something, God finishes it. What he started with just a handful 2,000 years ago has now grown to 2.6 billion people from every nation, language, kindred, and tribe around the world that believe Jesus is not dead, but he is alive, he is risen, he's seated at the right hand of God Almighty, the Father is equal to him, is the judge of all the earth, and that one day we will stand before him to give an account of our lives, and that we will bend our knee, and everyone will confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.